Before I get started, I would like to say that I am thankful for a dear and comparably aged sister in this church who wrote me this week and said, I appreciate the tool that you used on Wednesday night to get everyone's attention. She said, Nathan did something similar to David. He used a story to get David to hang himself out there and say the man should die. And I appreciated that so much, and I want all of you to appreciate it. This comparably aged sister is from Virginia, the Hillsville area. She's on your left, but I will not name her. I love that little encouragement that Nathan told this story. Why didn't he just go to the seventh commandment? Thou shalt not commit adultery. No, he told the story of that farmer, and boy, was it effective in getting a hold of David condemned himself by the vehicle of that story, and so I appreciate that. Now, we're, we're in a little bit of a time difficulty here, and I'm on the wrong slide. I was going to start at slide 45, but we're going to get to 45 in about 45 seconds, or not much longer, because those are the slides we went over on Wednesday evening, and I don't want to go over them again. They are available for you to go over, and they are good to get the lesson that we then apply to the Bible. I am sorry that some of you could not open the link that I sent you on Friday from the Adam Wells family that experimented with it, and you get to see destiny with spatial disorientation from her brothers slowly manipulating an office chair on carpet with her legs pulled up. It's, it's a very good little video. Some of you couldn't open it. Many of you could. I don't understand the difference between browsers and different things that would cause that. Okay, here we go very quickly through the slides that we went through on Wednesday evening. Kobe Bryant was killed two weeks ago on Sunday when a chopper crashed into the side of a hill at uh, 4,700 feet per minute uh, descending right into a mountainside. Uh, there's, there's the chopper, what it looked like when it was over. I do want you to know this. VFR, visual flight rules, meaning you're able to see out of the cockpit windows and fly the plane or the helicopter by what you can see. IFR is instrument flight rules. That means you don't need a cockpit window at all because you can fly by the instruments. And those are two different ways to fly a plane or a helicopter. VFR, back to visual flight rules, you rely almost entirely on your eyes looking out of the cockpit at landmarks like mountains or roads. IFR, you don't need to look out because you can direct the aircraft by its instruments. And one's made for bad weather and the other isn't. Visual flight rules will not help you in bad weather. Instrument flight rules will. Remember, you direct yourself and understand where you are spatially 80% by your eyes. If uh, we don't need to do that. You know, this barony chair is exciting, but as the Wells found out, all you need is a good office chair that's been lubricated and carpet and a careful brother and a good blindfold if you have sound dampening or deadening ear 
earmuffs or headphones, it would be even better. And you can find out how quickly, when your sight is taken away, if you're under motion, your inner ear lies to you. No matter how experienced you are, it does not matter. It is, destiny is no different than an experienced military pilot. It still happens. They just know how to ignore it. Spatial disorientation is the inability to know your position, your location, and your motion. It's called spatial D by pilots. The attitude of a plane is the bank that it's in or the direction that it's headed. The altitude is how far above the earth and its airspeed is how fast it's going. Those are three different A, well, airspeed is what it's called, altitude or attitude of a plane. The attitude of a plane is huge. The attitude of a plane is either up, down, left, right, banking. It's got a lot of different dimensions when you're up there in space and you don't have four wheels on the ground. The pilot strongly thinks when he's disoriented, he strongly thinks, or he may strongly think he's climbing, so he points the plane down, but he may already be going down, but his ears are lying to him, and he can go straight into the ground um, like John F. Kennedy Jr. did. There's John F. Kennedy Jr. in Marine One when he was four years old. That's a wonderful photo of him saluting his father's casket on Pennsylvania Avenue. John F. Kennedy, his plane into the Atlantic Ocean, cockpit, spatial disorientation. NTSB is ruled completely, no mechanical failure, failure no problems at all spatial disorientation of the poor young man. Okay, here we are. I've gone through 45 slides and it took me several minutes. Do not think or say that you will never crash into a hillside or an ocean because of the hillside that Kobe Bryant and his 13-year-old daughter Gianna flew into two weeks ago. Don't say that about yourself. Don't think that about John F. Kennedy of what happened in 1989. Remember this right here. A messed up life missing God's best can be worse than death. Amen. Have you ever heard of a word called suicide? Do you know that there are people that will kill themselves intentionally because life to them is worse than death? Yep. And that's what you can have by missing God's best for your life by not flying according to his flight manual. The DOT 2 pamphlet, and I'm going to, some, some things are going to be repetitious. The Department of Transportation pamphlet for VFR, Visual Flying Rules, Flying in Marginal Weather, is entitled 178 Seconds to Live. And if I could play this for you, I would. We will soon. It is a three-minute clip of a pilot crashing into the ground. It's, it's acted. I hate telling you that. I want you to think that it was real. Uh, it's acted to get the attention of pilots. Uh, but this will be available, and you can click on it and watch it. It's, it's very entertaining. To, to watch the instruments spin and the man make a decision, I, can't, I don't believe them. I can feel the, I can feel. No, that's spatial disorientation. That's like Destiny's thumbs, telling us she was going left when she was going right, telling us she had stopped when she was going left, and the other things that she demonstrated. Yep. Spatial disorientation, this is just an, an aircraft word, IMC. Instrument meteorological conditions. The weather requires instruments. IFR only. Flying in bad weather, you know, by visual reference, is suicide. 
Here are two rules that we can never forget about our instrument panel and our flight manual. We have a flight manual and we have an instrument panel for our lives called the Bible. Amen. Little Jackson. How old are you, Jackson? Are you six yet or are you still five? You're six. At 9.30 on Wednesday evening, which was 80 minutes after we finished, I asked him in the parking lot, what is your instrument panel? Immediately, the Holy Bible. That blessed me. I went home riding on clouds. Uh, we want to learn. Okay, rule number one. You must learn your instruments thoroughly to fly IFR up here, but our instruments are the Bible. So we got to learn the Bible thoroughly, and we've got to ignore all other feelings and inputs. Those are the two rules, and they're crucial for us. We've got to learn the Bible so that we know what it says about every part of our lives. Let me take a brief diversion again back to the woman from Virginia. She knew the Bible well enough that she knew of another example where a story or an outside illustration was used to make a very important point instead of just going to the seventh commandment. That's knowing the Bible. And that's what we want. We want to learn the Bible well. We want to know our instruments thoroughly. And then we've got to ignore all other feelings and inputs. You know, whether you like it or not, if a pastor talks about IFR, VFR, IMC, and all this stuff in a sermon, see, some, you might think that it's not holy and that I'm going to burn for it. I don't know. You, you could think all kinds of things. Well, I'm thankful to have an example like Nathan. And so we ignore other feelings and inputs. Nobody cares what you think about preaching or what I... We, we just got to do it the way the Bible says. Right. Spatial disorientation is an overwhelming feeling or conviction. An overwhelming feeling or conviction. You are certain that you are right, but you are wrong. Amen. That is wrong. Our lives are a flight to heaven, and we want to reach our destination. And so we've got to fly strictly by our instruments, and our instruments are the Bible. What's our instrument panel? The Bible. What's our flight manual? The Bible. Two rules. Here we go over them again. Number one, you've got to know your instruments well, which means you've got to know your flight manual or instrument panel well. Benjamin. Benjamin. When you look at your instrument panel, there is a gauge there that says on it, Ephesians 6.1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Even you children are flying to heaven. Jackson, let me look around and find some other victims. Josiah, Gabriel, you're flying to heaven. And when you look at your instrument panel, there is a gauge there that says Ephesians 6.1. Belhana, it says it to you. Berean, no, you can't escape. It ha you have the same instrument panel in the Bible. Do you understand this? To fly to heaven. Listen, if you disobey parents, can you crash and burn in this life before hell? Yes, you can. I know. Back to number two. You've got to ignore feelings and inputs, and we're going to, that's what we want to work on before we go home today. We want to know the instruments well. That is, we don't want to know the Bible well and how it applies to our lives, and we want to ignore our feelings that tell us, well, this is okay. I just got to do this. I just feel like this. I'm, I'm in a bad mood, and I can't help it. It's just too strong. But the Bible says, get out of it. Right. The cure for spiritual sp spatial D or spatial disorientation. I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. 
Lord, I believe your instrument panel is right, no matter what I'm feeling. And I hate every false way, whether it's inside me, outside me, or by my family. I hate every false way. I know for sure, here's how we interpret that. I know for sure that every rule in the Bible flight manual is correct. I highly value every gauge in the instrument panel for my flight's aircraft attitude, altitude, and airspeed to always be right. I hate every blinding factor from outside the cockpit, every internal or intuitive impulse of mine, and every influence by my passengers in life. That's what we got to believe about the Bible. Know the danger. IMC means bad weather. Instrument, meteorological conditions. You need instruments to fly. If you fly in such weather, you've only got 178 seconds to live. That is two seconds less than three minutes. You say, how in the world can you die so fast? Very easily. You'll go into a death spiral, a pilot's death spiral. You will bank left and go down, and you think you're flat. And when you're going down fast enough, ground comes up in a hurry. Know the danger. The moral, doctrinal, and religious weather of America is the perilous times of the last days. It is the worst weather the world has ever seen, according to Paul's flight warning to Timothy, when he said, evil seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Know the danger. Your inner ear, your fleshly old man, can give you an overwhelming feeling or conviction that you are justified to go ahead and do something. You will want to make decisions by intuition, that is your lust, that can be fatal for your flight to heaven. We want to learn to make decisions the Bible way. No matter what part of our lives, every one of us have sensitive parts of our lives that we would rather protect from the Bible, and we give ourselves some liberty. But we want the Bible to direct how we practice and fly toward heaven. Friends and peers, let me go back. I hope you know the danger. You know, this is outside the cockpit. This top paragraph is outside the cockpit. It's the worst weather the world has seen. But this is not outside the cockpit. It's inside the cockpit. It's you. It's your impulses in yourself. And then this one, this is what we're going to get to. This is what we're going to study today, is friends and peers around you in the cockpit of life will offer their just as confused ideas to you. Because you've got some confused ideas yourself of what you want to do according to your lusts, but those around you will do the same thing. Even family sitting in passenger seats will want you to change direction to fly against the truth. Did Mrs. Job have some flight ideas for Mr. Job? What were Mrs. Job's flight ideas? Curse God and die. What kind of a wife is that? That's terrible. But that, see, so you've got, we've got the bad weather of a moral implosion in the world outside the cockpit we've got the most deceitful and desperately wicked pilot ever that's you and then we've got your family that's a mess and that's why we have we need captains in this room when we when we finish in a few minutes and open these doors there need to be captains that go out captains that keep their wives and keep their children flying right and don't listen to them If a woman will learn anything, let her ask her husband at home. He's the captain of the flight. She is not. Okay, there's the cockpit 
of a Sikorsky S-76 for two pilots. There's John F. Kennedy Jr.'s. Let's skip all that. Yeah, we've, you've seen that. God has judged the world. It's morally upside down. In just a couple generations, they've inverted things so badly. If you look around, you're going to get disoriented. If you listen to them, you'll be disoriented. You have instruments. You have bubbles. To tell you what is up and down, you have the Bible. The Holy Bible, as Jackson said. This is an upside down world. It's happened before. And men have noticed it before, but we know that it's far worse. How much LGBTQ did they have back in 1647? Not too much. The Bible, the Bible understands this reversal of authority. There's a child spanking its mommy. Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. And that's Jeremiah's indictment on the Jews as to why they were captives in Babylon. Our Creator, Savior, Sustainer has wonderful instructions for a God-blessed life. We need to stop and stand rather than rush ahead because we need to find the old paths. Notice, it says, stand. There is a good way for us to walk, a good way for our flight in this world. This good way for our flight through life will provide rest for our souls. We want to be restful, at peace, delighting in the Lord, delighting in each other, enjoying God's best for His children. But most of God's children, just like Israel, rejected God's flight manual. And so, Isaiah 29, which we dealt with, we've covered this. You should be experts on Isaiah 29. Stay yourselves and wonder. Cry ye out and cry. They are drunken, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with strong drink. Stop to consider the incredulous moral events now occurring around you. Stay yourselves and wonder. We should look out there and wonder what in the world God's turned this world over to a reprobate mind. Shout about the insanity. Notice the word cry and cry. Shout about the insanity that's sweeping the world and sweeping most Christians along with it. Men act like they're totally drunk, but there's no alcohol involved. What is going on with such a rapid degeneration of morals in our lifetimes? What's going on? Nothing is outside the government of God, including the insanity of man. God's completely in charge of it and has given them over to do ridiculous, inconvenient things. The next verse in Isaiah. You say, you went over this on Wednesday night. I'm glad you're going to doubly know it. For the Lord, the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep. He's closed your eyes, the prophets and your rulers, the seers, the prophets, hath he covered. God himself, in holy judgment, caused this incredible degree of blindness that is taking place in the world. Romans 1 describes it. 2 Timothy 3 and 4 describe it. Isaiah 29 describes it. He has put everyone into a deep sleep of blindness to his revealed truth, especially preachers and rulers. Notice that. Up here the prophets and your rulers and the seers. He's blinded them to judge the nation. When we neglect revealed truth, God can and will take His truth away. Skipping a couple of verses to get to this verse. Wherefore, the Lord 
said, for as much, here's why it happened, for as much as this people, why would this happen to Israel? Israel was God's church. Why would it happen? For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart. Our religion is a heart religion. It's a passionate religion. It's an intentional, purposeful religion. We should be excited about the Lord, committed to Him, willing to die for Him. We don't give Him just lip service. We don't give Him just words with our mouths. We want to give Him our hearts. Their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. It's a man-made kind of fear of God. The reason for God's judgment was the hypocrisy of His people. His people were full of words about their love, but without works. They chose to love other things and pretend to be His people religiously. They had a form of ceremonial godliness or religion that they followed, but they did not passionately love the Lord their God. Next verse. Therefore, because of that kind of hypocritical, superficial religion, therefore, behold, I will proceed to do. This is hardly taught in any pulpits anywhere, that this is God's work. God does this. The famine for the Word of God in Amos chapter 8 is something God sent. God sends it. God sends strong delusion for men to believe a lie when they reject the truth that He does offer them. So, because of that lip service religion, therefore, behold, get a good view of this, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, a marvelous work and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. I'm going to take away understanding from my church. I'm going to take away understanding from my nation of Israel. God planned to do a marvelous and wonderful work of blinding His people. <coughs> Excuse me. These were His people, His church, but it would not cover their crimes. He would take away the wisdom and understanding of their best men. God does blind and confuse men, even His own, when they neglect truth. We, we serve a God that deserves our serious best serving Him. Next verse. We skipped one verse. To keep the thoughts connected better for you. Isaiah 29, 16. Surely your turning of things upside down. See, it's happened before. And God was behind it. And God's behind this one. This is a nation that said, we don't want the Bible in our schools. The Bible is not an acceptable source document for proving anything in any paper of any kind at any level. We will not have a prayer in our public schools any longer. We will not allow creation to be taught. We want to, and on and on they went. And so they're getting the just desserts for the choice they've made to go against the God that rules the hearts of men. Surely your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. For shall the work... Question, shall the work say of him that made it? He made me not. He did, God didn't make me. Shall the work say of him that made it? He didn't make me. Or shall the thing framed say of him that framed it? He had no understanding. They turned God's revealed will upside down for their perverted pleasure. Their own ideas of conduct were as stupid as clay, arguing with its potter. The world has ruined God's wise ordinances, and many Christians have gone along with it. God will have the last laugh. Whose side are we on? Let's choose God. Right. 
And he's given us how to live and how to fly toward heaven in the flight manual called the Bible, which is also our instrument panel. Yeah, who's in charge there? The clay or the potter? Yeah, and this is what he can do to the pottery he doesn't like. I, I like that picture. I like this one better than I do this one. Because that's my God. Now, he can do this, too. And he can do better than that. And he can do this. Because you're the clay, and he's stepping on you. Because he's God, and he's the potter. So we come to Romans in, in the New Testament. Because that, when they knew God, all men knew God. The Bible teaches that. Total depravity does not deny that. Total depravity says their hearts are so wicked that when they know God, they're going to go against the knowledge anyway. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. They weren't thankful, but they became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, which is a passive verb, was darkened, meaning some other power or person darkened it, which was God. God revealed Himself clearly to all men by creation. They are without excuse, Romans 1.20. When men do not glorify God their Creator, as He deserves, He'll judge them. When men are not thankful, He'll judge them. His judgment is to leave them to their own ideas and darken their hearts. His judgment then is to rewire them for perversity as following verses teach in Romans chapter 1. We jump to verse 28. And as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, they didn't want to remember what they could see from creation. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. He's in the business of mind manipulation. He gives them over to a reprobate mind, a rejected, upside-down, twisted, perverse, abominable mind of twisted thinking to do those things which are not convenient. Two men in bed is not convenient. Two women in bed is not convenient. And on and on we could go. Because men refuse to acknowledge and remember God, he judges. Men do all they can to forget God by false teachers, noise, activity, and so forth. And God gives them over to a reprobate mind, even against nature. In this blindness and under this judgment, they'll do things very wrong. God's judgment is to disgrace them by their perverse sex acts, and that is exactly what that passage says and teaches. God's judgment is to disgrace them by each other by their perverse sex acts. And that's outside our cockpit. That's what we're trying to fly through on our way to heaven in the year 2020. Romans 1.32, These men know that the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. This nation, this nation's had laws against sodomy from its beginning. Nations of the world have, persec- have punished sodomy in the strictest and most severe terms possible for generations. It's known by men that the things in Romans chapter 1 deserve death. And yet, they do the same things, and they have pleasure in those that do them. They make them their friends, and they watch it for their entertainment. God is judge. Amen. He has confounded and rewired men from the beginning, though it's hardly ever preached. Do you know what to do? Do you know how to avoid moral, spatial disorientation? I mean, it's, it's, the confusion around us is overwhelming. We've got to stick to the Bible and talk about the Bible and preach the Bible plainly and not apologize for the Bible and knock back down from the Bible. 
Do you know that your bubbles can go only one way up? That's your Bible bubbles. They only go one way up. Are you instrument rated to avoid what you see or hear? You'll ruin your life if you don't have right directions to how to live. We have instruments and we have bubbles. It's our Bibles. Right. Only the Bible is right side up. We've got to learn it, remember it, and always apply it. Nothing has changed. The Bible is still totally relevant for 2020. Amen. The Creator's perfect will for your success is in writing. Thank you, blessed God and Father, for giving us the perfect manual for every aspect of life. To the degree you lose sight of the Bible, you're going to lose. You'll crash and burn. I don't need to go through these. Now they're too obvious. You say, why did you start out with creation? That's so simple. Because I wanted to help you get the idea from simple ones, then get a little more tricky. You know, capital punishments is pretty easy. Corporal punishment. Thank you, Dad. My dad did believe in the Bible. Oh, yes, he did. He read the flight manual, and it said when Johnny talks back, when Johnny does this and when Johnny does that, Johnny needs to hurt a lot. And I, I love him. He only had one deficiency. He should have beat me more. Paul said, Amen. <laughs> Abortion, you know, we, the answers are in the Bible. Animal rights, answers in the Bible. Baptism, oh, what a book we have. Amen. Baptism is cleared up in the Bible, so clear. You have to be rewired to get the wrong baptism out of a Bible. Oh, that's the number one female vocalist. I want to say that again. I just like letting that roll off my tongue. That's the number one female Christian vocalist in the world, Taya Smith from Hillsong, for those of you that like Hillsong. She did that not because she had cancer, because she wanted to. And the guy in the left, I'm not sure what football team he plays on. <laughs> now this guy does play on a football team, and it's the San Francisco 49ers. That's Richard Sherman, and that's one of his coaches on the right. Who wants to take her home and introduce her to Mama? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. She's unbelievable. Don't, I gotta stop. Don't let me go one inch further. It's, it's right here. Thank you. Hair length. The Bible has it. The Bible tells us. Thank you, Lord. Cremation. The Bible tells us. We're not, we're not those kind of people. We're God's people. Amen. Jesus died for our bodies. We believe in an R word they don't even understand. They have their own R word. Do you know the difference between us and them and an R word? What's their R word? Reincarnation. What's our R word? Resurrection. Oh, yes. Is it that simple? It's that simple. These are, these are the two guys that are going to lead your armies in the future. This is West Point. You can thank me that I picked this. Because I, I looked at others. And anyway, 
the, the Bible has the answers for all this. Savings is not an option. It's a commandment of the Bible. National debt is a tale. The Bible says so, that if you're a, a, a nation in debt, you're a tail being wagged by someone else, in this case being chased by itself. And we're chasing it pretty fast, the way our debt's growing in America. It's, it's in the Bible. The Bible has everything for us. Welfare versus work ethic. It's in the Bible. Modesty, female modesty is in the Bible. And we want to avoid both ditches because we trust the Bible. Hell's in the Bible. So we don't care what people say. Self-love and self-esteem are condemned in the Bible. We need to learn how to esteem others as ourselves and to love others the way that we love ourselves. And, and look at this. Submission of wives. Does the Bible have anything to say? It does. We stick to it. We hold to it. We cannot compromise. We're flying to heaven. Does, does a one-degree bank error cost you? You turn, your, your plane is in a, a bank of one degree from being flat. Will you eventually end up in the wrong place? Yes. We are not going to change from the Bible. There's been no improvement in the Bible. Marriages aren't better today because they're going against the Bible. They're far worse today. And you can just go down through this, you know, whether it's unions or holidays or lotteries or gun control or dress code. You know, all these things can be dealt with by way of principles or way of precepts that are in the Bible. That's what's outside our cockpit. Spatial disorientation, God's judged the world. It's morally upside down. They've inverted so much of what was understood to be natural, normal, and right just a few years ago. Know the danger. You are in instrument meteorological conditions. You're in bad weather that requires instrument flying rules. Do not think you can fly by visual observation and survive more than 178 seconds. Let's learn our flight manual. Let's learn our instrument panel. Let's review it. Let's guard it. Let's guard our co-pilots. Let's make sure we're flying right. Know the danger. Now let's jump to another level of danger. Yes, the weather outside your cockpit is terrible, but your heart is an equal threat, which is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So let's forget what's outside the cockpit, what's inside the cockpit now. Your heart and mind will use strong feelings and thoughts to ignore God's instruments, and you'll fly ahead based on how you feel. Your feelings are worthless. They're worse than worthless. They're dangerous. They're destructive. They're damning. Get rid of your feelings. Build your faith. Faith, not feelings. Let, let your feelings come from an explosion of faith toward God. Don't do it the other way around. You'll lose God with your feelings. If you allow feelings and thoughts to affect you, a habit will form that will certainly cause a crash. What's this guy's problem? Anger is foolish flying. Think about how powerful and strong anger can be. Isn't it an overwhelming feeling? Can it rise up in a second and you want to fly off and say something? Anger's terrible. The Bible condemns anger over and over in both testaments. Your wrath does not work. Oh, the righteousness of God is what it says in the Bible. I, I know the Bible. 
your wrath does not work the righteousness of God. It doesn't work right flying. Anger reduces your wits. Anger reduces your ability to hear. Anger reduces your ability to reason. It's worse than alcohol. It's terrible. It's instantaneous. It's horrible. It's destructive. It twists faces. It twists character. It twists persons in your life that scare you, that you can't trust in anymore because they get angry. Flight manual says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Slow to anger is better than the best military pilot ever. That's better than taking a city. Proud wrath says you are a proud and haughty scorner, so we hate anger. Forgive the pictures. This is bitterness. Whether you think they're bitter or not, let's pretend they are. These are two bitter women. Bitterness can spring up to trouble you. Think about the acid and perpetual grudge that bitterness is. Bitterness in your heart is devilish. Don't lie to yourself. James 3.14 warns us. Bitterness is unresolved offenses or grudges. It is an ugly sin. You do not have the right to be bitter. You have to get rid of bitterness. You have the responsibility to hate bitterness and flush it and be happy with everyone. You don't have a right to have a grudge. That is wicked. That's from hell. That's what James chapter 3 and verses 14 and 15 say. We're to esteem each other better than ourselves. We're supposed to let all bitterness and other junk like it be put away and replaced with kindness. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Thank you, Miss Joy Club, or whoever came up with that verse recently. What's this? Oh, a hissy fit. The poor little thing. He's asking, what did I do wrong this time? Your unhappiness in marriage is your fault. It always is. You have allowed your feelings or thoughts to rule you. Get over it. Loving your spouse is not an option. It's a flight order. Love your spouse. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, love your husbands. Older women are to teach the younger women to love their husbands. You have forgotten your role or rebelled against it sinfully if you're unhappy. Even if your spouse is terrible, which really isn't very important, you can be happy in Christ if you're a Christian, even if your spouse is terrible. Invest in your spouse and stop selfishly needing so much and you'll be happy. Invest in another person. Love them. Serve them. Go after them. Dote on them. You don't need someone doting on you to be happy. You need to be doting on someone to be happy. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Can I preach marriage in 60 seconds? It's not hard. I've tried it for 43 years. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for your marriage manual. Amen. Oh, evil surmising. You're the one. You're at fault. Evil surmising. This is your sinful spirit that assumes the worst about other people. Um, it's amazing how we all came into this world like a wild ass's colt, and there are people that want to blame, see everything in a bad light. When they look at a person's actions, they put the worst construction on it. Then there are people, and it should be every one of us in this room, that have been saved by grace. When we see someone's actions, we want to put the best construction on it. The opposite of evil surmising. I'm going to be a good surmiser. I'm going to be a back kisser. Instead of backbiting, I'm going to back kiss, and I'm going to surmise good. That person that didn't talk to me today, 
That's because they were on a mission to get to someone else in our church and do a better job than I do as a church member. I love them for bypassing me to go do what they were going to do. See, that's good surmising. Charity, the opposite of evil surmising, proves a person's election because you put the best construction on it. Yes, David. Yes. It's huge. It'll, it'll take you... Th- You're starting a lot younger than I did. Um, it'll take you through life right well if you put the best construction on other people's actions instead of the worst. We choose to have all this bad stuff going on around us because we look at everything and say, they did that to hurt me. They did that because they're wicked. Instead of, they had the best of intentions. They prayed for me in their car when they in the parking lot before they got in here, and they got distracted before they saw me. I mean, come, it's just how you look at life. You say, do you actually say, put a, put a microphone in my home sometime? Because I know there's only one way to cure it, and that's to go to another ex- little bit of an extreme. Real love believes all things, and then it hopes all things. Your evil ideas torment you, torment you, torment, this is a broken record, torment you. When you have evil ideas about someone else, they torment you, they never touch the other person. What stupidity. Oh, another table. This is what's inside the cockpit. Moods. Who said you have a right to your moods? God said you don't. God said, rejoice in the Lord. And again I say, rejoice. If you want to have the mood of joy all the time, we'll bear it. We'll endure it. Selfish. Just look at all this. Cleaning your house. Unholy or holy. Showing hospitality. Envying others. I'm just picking them. Backbiting. Hetty is is going head first because you make impulsive decisions. Foolish talking. Let's cut down on it. Lazy. Let's be more energetic. Child training. I just don't feel like it tonight. I worked hard all day. I came home and now these kids need a whipping. They'll grow out of it. (laughs) They'll grow out of your home. These are the things that are warring on us on the inside. We're we're in the cockpit. The weather outside's terrible. So we've agreed, I'm going to fly by instruments only. I'm going to fly by God's word. And it's Sunday, and right now we all want to fly by God's words. In one hour, it it won't be Sunday. It'll be the early hours of Monday, meaning that you'll be passed today. And you will face some temptations, and you will have these kind of things welling up inside of you, some by habit, some by emotion, some by provocation. Don't do them. Let's continue to fly by the flight manual and the, the instrument panel. Because our feelings are all upside down. There isn't anything good in you. There is none good. No, not one. There is none righteous. No, not one. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? No one can truly understand how vulnerable they are to their own disorientation in the cockpit because of the impulses rising up on the inside. I know what anger feels like. Do you think I've been angry once or twice in my life? I know what it feels like. It's an overwhelming urge. You don't think about, am I justified in this feeling that I have right now? 
All I'm saying is, Sherry, if I had a truck, I would drive it through this fast feeder because they took too long getting our order. Where in the world did that come from? Say, Pastor, do you ever... What do you think? I'll tell yours next time. If I, if I were to submit to my husband, he'd walk all over me. He'd treat me like a doormat. Oh, you poor thing. The government walks all over you. When was the last time you called the government? When was the last time you say you were a doormat to the government? This is a table that we should think about. That is, when we leave this service, there's the world out there outside our cockpit windows, but there's us inside the cockpit and we have these emotions and feelings and temptations and lusts of our flesh. The pride of life wants to rell up and defend, well up and defend itself vigorously. The pride of life. If you have the pride of life, the love of the Father is not in you. The lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh. I just got to look at this. I just want to look at it. It's okay for me to have my fantasies. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So we've brought the world inside the cockpit, and it's inside us. And we've got a war against that as well. You're born dead in sins with a corrupt, lying old nature. Your flesh hates God and every law he has given for man by nature. If you enjoy your thoughts much, you will soon be dead. Just like a pilot who thinks about what attitude does this plane have right now? What altitude am I at? What aircraft speed do I have? If he thinks about it, he'll soon be dead because he's got to follow the instruments and we need to follow the Bible. If you let your feelings, see, I've got two things here, thoughts and feelings. If you let your feelings take control, you will also be dead. You trash your marriage, you trash your children, you trash your soul because you let your feelings and thoughts run loose. Gird up the loins of your mind. Think right thoughts. Gird up the feelings of your heart. Feel right feelings. Feel for other people. Stop feeling about yourself. That is so incredibly selfish, so incredibly immature to think about yourself. It's unbelievable. The Lord came to save us from that. He didn't think about himself or we'd all be going to hell. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. I keep under my body, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. Mortify, therefore, your members. And look at all these members. These are all, this is the table. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, and so forth and so on. And it's longer than I gave here. Mortify, that means to put it to death. So we got the, we've got the instrument panel in front of us. It's God's word. I am going to put to death and ignore everything outside. I'm going to put to death and ignore everything inside. I am going to live by the Bible. Amen. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh. I'm going to hang my flesh on the cross and kill it. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and don't make provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. Thank you, Adam. Abstain. Stop it. Fleshly lusts which war against the soul. You have lusts inside of you that want to fight a war against your soul and destroy you. And take your plane down. Take your family down. Know the danger. The weather is bad outside and your heart's impulses and intuition are wrong. Right. 
so this is number one here on the first line, number two problem here, but now we're to number three. There is also a near constant clamor or pressure of family and friends to follow their opinions. Family and friends can cause you to crash. This column is vertical. And this column, no, this, col this column is vertical. V, this is relatively horizontal, and this is relatively horizontal. Friends and false brethren over there in the third column, that is a horizontal. Spouse and siblings. Mrs. Job tried to ruin Job. Job, don't you listen to Mrs. Job. You speak as the foolish women speak, woman. That is wrong. David's Michael tried to destroy him. Ahab's Jezebel did destroy him. Eunice's husband wasn't converted. It didn't change Eunice a bit. Aaron and Miriam were terrible siblings of Moses. Jesus' siblings didn't believe on him. Solomon's wives destroyed him. Men, you are captains. In every flight, a pilot, it doesn't matter if there's four pilots on a flight, one of them is the captain, and the captain makes the decisions, and you make the decisions. Parents and children, which is vertical. Asa's mother, Asa threw her out of being queen and demoted her. Hezekiah's father was Ahaz. Hezekiah did everything the opposite of his father. David had three sons that were named A. Do you, can you remember them and how wicked they were? But it didn't change David. Amnon, Absalom, Adonijah. James and John's mother was ridiculous, going to Jesus and asking for his left and right hand in heaven, and so forth and so on. Job's three friends were pitiful. Jonadab was a terrible friend to Amnon. Rehoboam's buds cost him ten tribes of Israel. Most of you haven't flown in a small plane, so you're in your car. Fathers, you're in your car, you've got the steering wheel, and you've got a wife talking to you from her seat, and you've got kids hollering from the back seat, when are we going to do this? When are we going to do that? Can we stop at McDonald's? Can we stop at McDonald's? Can we do this? Can we do that? Can we play video games? Can we play video games? Oh, life is better. I didn't mean anything by that, kids. I want you to think about the clamor that you have from friends, spouse, parents, children, cousins, nephews, church members. If you listen to them and they're against the instrument panel or the flight manual, they'll cause you to crash. Evil communications corrupt good manners in flying. Family and friends must be ignored to follow the Bible only. Jesus taught that good pilots will easily ignore them all. Jesus said that to be a disciple of his, you would have to hate father, mother, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, the whole works, even a wife and children. Because Jesus knew what it took to be a good pilot. If you'll allow me the illustration. Picture and hear them yelling how to fly by their feelings. Because see, they, they all have the same spatial disorientation. But they're in the back seat. So they think that you're diving. So they scream for you to pull up. Dad, pull up! Pull up, Dad! Dad's the one looking at the instruments. He knows he's flat safe he's following the bible but a man has to prepare himself and all you young men that aren't married yet you better marry a teachable woman a woman with a teachable spirit who isn't needy 
who wants to follow God's word, who wants to take care of you as a faithful, loyal wife, and that wants to look up to you and let you make the decisions for her. Because she wants to be your co-pilot. Only when you give her an assignment will she step out. She wants you to be her captain. Let's praise and thank God for his chastening correction before we would crash on our own. Hey, have you ever been flying along and had the Lord tap you on the shoulder and say, uh-uh, buddy, this is not the right way? Sometimes it's a little more than a tap on the shoulder. Sometimes it's a baseball bat in the shins. Yeah. Yes, brother. I'm thankful for this right here. I'm thankful that God saves us sometime. In, in, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Could, could we apply that to flying? I went astray. Yes, I had a bad, I was in a death spiral before I was afflicted, but now I have kept thy word. Thank you, Lord. We've got to test all things, the world's ideas and ours by the Bible only. We've got to go back to the Bible. And I went through these verses already with you on Wednesday evening, so I'm not going through them again right now. I went through them. I hope you will go through these slides with your family, with yourself, because I want to get to this. Short nickname, Sully. Rick Skiles, co-pilot. How many bands? U.S. Airways Flight 1549, Captain Chesley Sully Sullenberger III. Notice right here, Captain. He made the decisions, and he made a huge decision. Co-pilot. Jeffrey Skiles, and three flight attendants. That is your family. I am speaking to the captains right now. This is your family. You are the captain. She will help you keep that family, but you need to keep her soul, help her soul, encourage her soul, direct her soul, give her Bible for how you, why you want to do things in your family the way you do. And these are the kids they can get you a cold one. Because they're not going to do much more than that. And that's okay. One of these days you're going to be Captain James. Scary, isn't it? I was talking to you, not the whole room. You will be Captain. Wow. Pretty exciting, isn't it? That's you on the left. But that's your wife on the right. And she wonders why you do certain things. Well, that, didn't, that wasn't a very good illustration. <laughs> Some of you laugh before even I get it. A pilot is just a job description without a rank. Captain is the pilot in charge of the flight. Every man must fulfill his role as captain of his marriage and of his family. You are the one in charge. You've got to bring everything back to the Bible. It's not that hard. We have a bunch of great women in this church. You've got to sit them down, take them by the hand, and tell them, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. This is the way we serve the Lord. This is what the Bible says. This is what we agreed on when we got married. This is our covenant. This is what we hear. This is what we read. This is what we find in this chapter, that chapter, and that chapter. Help me do it. Let's do it together. Let's be a power couple. But the man's the captain. The number one cause... I have to deal with this. I would say every day. I deal with this almost every day. 
the number one cause of crash lives is men that did not fulfill their roles as husbands or fathers. And that doesn't mean not loving the wife enough necessarily. That means not teaching, leading, helping, guiding, correcting the wife enough. It's terrible. These boys that grow up in families without a, a real father, it is a terrible, natural, national disaster. It's terrible. I love these verses. Genesis 18, 19, I know Abraham. He will command his children and his household after him, and they will keep the way of the Lord. Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. David, he established a testimony in Jacob, this is God, and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. That's four generations at least. That they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. And, not, and might not be as their fathers. Break your family tree for righteousness' sake. And might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright, and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Hear, ye children, the instruction of a father. This is Solomon in Proverbs chapter 4. The instruction of a father. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law, for I was my father's son. Solomon said to Rehoboam and his children, Children, listen to me. I want to give you wisdom. My dad gave me the wisdom, and I'm sharing it with you. He taught me also. He taught me also. Let thine heart retain my words and live. 1 Corinthians 14, 34. Let your women keep silence in the churches. It's still true today in 2020. For it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. If they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. It is a shame for women to speak in the church. That's why we do what we do in this church. So husbands are responsible for their wives knowing the word of God and learning and growing. And then here's fathers. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. That's part of child training. But bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Captains. Captains, look at your flight panel, look flight manual or your instrument panel. It is saying these things to you. Every wife needs to remember she was made for her husband. He was not made for her. The Bible very specifically and very clearly says that. She is co-pilot at best. He is her captain in our flight to heaven as families. Every child must remember they do not know the reality of life. They are at best attendants. The rebellious will crash. Parents are the ones in the cockpit. They're back in the cabin. They don't have a right to the instruments. You don't know anything about life yet. Trust your parents. If you rebel against your parents, your crash can come very early in life, and it can mess up your life. Know the danger. Terrible weather, outside our cockpits, feelings and ideas are easily deceived that are inside us, and the clamor and noise of family and friends. The Bible is our detailed flight manual. The Bible is our instrument panel for truth, and we have a church and a pastor and other godly co-pilots around us that we get encouragement from on a weekly basis. There's our text. Surely 
your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. Youth, young people, children and youth, today is not normal. The world is very twisted. It has changed in our lifetimes. Even pagans in the past stood against many of today's lies. Wise men hide in public. We do not go out and say everything that I have said in this sermon in public because they cannot handle it and there is too much animosity against the one segment of society that you are always free to belittle, persecute, and punish. Bible-believing Christians. So we hide in public. We ignore fools. Wisdom brings grief because we know enough to see that the world's problems could be solved by returning to the Bible, but the grief that it causes is, is okay. It's worth it. We want the truth of the Bible. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word. I hope that when these doors open and this flight school closes with an amen, that captains will walk out of here feeling their oats given to them by God's Word and by His Spirit, and that they will lead, love their wives into being great women and their children, to be great children, and that our families will fly together to heaven. May the Lord bless His Word.